0: July here in Sweden is uh, the Ramadan of Sweden. It's like the Ramadan in Muslim countries. You know, people don't work at all. They go to work, but they don't really work. <laughs> They're basically on strike. And if, if anybody asks you, like, okay, aren't you supposed to work? They're like, no, I'm fasting. And I was like, this is so-
1: in theory you're right except that there's like a twist there that in ramadan usually muslims are really upset because they're hangry and in july swedes are very happy because the sun is out so i think that's the key difference
0: yeah that's the key difference and that people in maybe in muslim countries during ramadan they pretend that they are working So they still go to work. They just don't do anything.
2: Oh my God. Every time I I remember in Tanzania, like when people are are fasting, they're so grumpy because you don't have like the Ramadan thing, like in Tanzania, but people still work. You barely work. They'll just turn off everything. Or like, they're like, why are you here? What do you want? Why are you taking my time?
1: Uh, I do have a Quran here with me, by the way. And I think we should burn it. No, I'm joking. We're not going to burn it. Quran on burning. Your thoughts?
0: Uh, been there, done that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, but you have to explain the context because it kind of makes you sound angry. <laughs>
0: no, but actually, yeah, I think, all right. The, the whole story. No, just the short version.
2: Omar, you Mm. burnt the Quran on YouTube about five years ago when you were in Sweden. This feels like an
1: interrogation, I'm sorry.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It was, hey, I have this planned.
0: Yeah.
2: so, So Omar, you burnt the Quran five years ago when you had moved to Sweden and it was published live on YouTube. Can you tell us a bit more about what led you to burn the Quran and then what was your aim, intention, and what were the reactions of that? That came out of that
0: right that suddenly became very very serious uh well okay so i didn't burn the quran directly when i came to sweden i when i came to sweden i applied for asylum basically the migration agency refused to acknowledge that i had left islam while they acknowledged that people who leave islam and criticize it are being persecuted in egypt and are deserving of asylum and basically in the end they said they rejected my asylum claim. And they said, had I been able to prove to them that I had left Islam, I would get my asylum. And they also wanted me to basically provide them with proof that the Egyptian authorities are aware of my views. And I was like, what the fuck? I cannot like apply for a certificate of atheism from, from the Egyptian embassy in Sweden. So what I did basically is that, okay, how can I prove to them that I had left Islam. Some people said, oh, why don't we just like eat bacon or, or drink alcohol? I was like, what the fuck? Some Muslims do that. Um, so what I did is that I made a video, talked about my views, talked about my case, talked about the situation for, people, for ex-Muslims in Muslim-majority countries, um, in my case with the migration agency and i thought okay what would be the one thing that no muslim would ever do Uh, well that would be to desecrate the quran so what i did is that basically i spat on the quran tore it apart stomped on it and set it on fire um and yeah first i i basically sent this video privately to to the migration agency but in the end, long story short, after I put it on YouTube, but it was like basically unlisted, so only people with the link can see it. They still rejected my claim, saying that the video had too few views.
2: <laughs> so that was their response the video <laughs> yes. had too few views.
1: Wow. Yes. We want you to die first and then. Yes, exactly. The
0: <laughs> and then I decided, okay, well, you're literally forcing my hand. So I went public with it. And yeah. It caused a right. <laughs> it got more views. <laughs> Surprisingly.
2: Um. Okay. So wait. Hang on. So yeah. why why did the migration agency focus on the views? I mean, because uh,
0: well, so they want to evaluate the level of risk that I'm they exposed want them to die. To. <laughs> well, it's a catch twenty two thing, actually. Hmm. So for them, they they kind of like they want to really establish that there is that high level of risk that I'm actually kind of either have been subjected already to the danger or on the verge of being subjected to the danger. So basically, like the best thing would be like, the best way for me to get the asylum would be if if I'm dead, basically.
1: They want you to be standing right on the edge and almost tripping and falling, and then they'll give you the asylum.
0: Yes, yes, yes. So they were not able to establish that it's so dangerous if it had very few views.
2: Mm. Yeah, it's really interesting and I know in the future episodes we'll get into the whole what it means to be an ex-Muslim or like you know how people identify as one but also I'm thinking that how Sweden or other countries don't recognize what ex-Muslims are like you don't have to be in the face of like danger like somebody's coming to killing killing you like publicly at least when there's already familial abuse,
1: I remember when when I first saw the video of uh, Omar. Someone sent it to me. He was like, "Hey, have you seen Omar Mustafa's video?" I'm like, "Who?" And then they sent me Omar the video. Mustafa. He told, <laughs> Omar Mustafa. Omar Makran's video. Sorry, <laughs> I don't know why the name Mustafa stuck in my head. Anyway, so he told me, "Have you seen Omar uh, Makran's video?" I'm like, "No." So uh, he told me that it's this ex-Muslim guy who burned the Quran to get asylum. And the first thing, and I don't know why, like at that period, it was like I think 2000. 2015, 2016, I was still like a bit angry at Islam, like super furious. And the first thing that popped in my head when I thought of an ex-Muslim opening a camera and talking about Islam and burning it, I was expecting to see someone furious and say, you know this religion is crap. I don't like it. You guys are delusional, whatever. But I was shocked by the video because it was kind of like, you guys, I really don't want to do this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of forced to do this, and it was so genuine. Like it showed, like I saw through it that you were you were genuinely critical of the religion, but you were actually doing it just because of Swedish bureaucracy.
0: Mm-hmm. well i would not have done it otherwise again not that i think that it's wrong to do it but it's just like not my style so to speak but i don't think that burning the quran in itself is is, is a wrong act so to speak
2: my journey to accepting like burning the quran as a form of blasphemy was kind of interesting because i was very much like even during my ex-muslim phases i was like I don't see the point of it yet. Yeah, I hate it. I just don't see the point. I'd rather bin it if when I had a copy when I, and right. I was moving, I was like, I'm just going to bin it. But I was like, why go through all that trouble? Why hurt the sentiments of Muslims? And I've also had family members who were like, you know, why do you blaspheme so much? Like, you know, why does it hurt our feelings? And it really took me some like I used to watch videos on Atheist Republic and kind of understand why the need for blasphemy was important and why. It is technically your copy of the Quran or any other book that you were deciding to burn. Not that it's great for the environment, just saying, and there are other ways to recycle. <laughs> but um, I felt like it was just so unnecessary and that it would just provoke people to get a reaction, which has been the common sentiment. And then as I went further into divulging um, what free speech meant or freedom of expression, and I was like, hang on, I, I don't like this book and what it says, So why is burning it creating such a big fiasco or like a turbulence in the Muslim community? If Surely, if you're secure with your faith, anybody burning anything or talking about it should not matter, right? Like you you should be able to like just go like, you know what, I think that's crap. Or like comedians make jokes and whatnot that people find offensive and you're like, hang on, I don't really give a shit. And they make sexist and racist jokes and some of them piss me off and some of them are like, you know, I don't want to do it or support it. At the same time, you don't go and, like, cause violence. Yeah.
1: But I guess that's like what, what you said that, you know, it shows an insecurity. So one of the reasons that they get really furious and they can use violence to shut you out is because they're so insecure about the fact that there is no, uh, there, that there is no um, evidence for their religion. Because, you know, when you grow up as a Muslim, you're taught that the the main reasons that make the Quran the book of God is, you know, all these so-called miracles, but they're not very strong, right? You always have to ask questions, but wait, how, how are these miracles more sensible than other miracles in other religions? And those questions... How come
0: the Prophet flew to heaven on a winged donkey
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly and all of these things like stay in your subconscious and i believe that the reason that they get so furious is because they're not 100 sure about it their faith is very weak and um and kind of that anger and violence stems from the fact of like you're taking away my truth you're taking away the only thing i live for which is heaven and, and you know going to heaven
0: I guess that there there's some part of it that is that is like that as well but but Islam in general has all, like has always been very intolerant of blasphemy um so this is not a surprise really and and you know a lot of people like they say that to them like Allah and Muhammad means even more than their own children and I actually I think some of them genuinely mean that like they actually feel that uh so it's like it's yeah. But then again, like it's people are responsible for their feelings. They cannot like, you know, break into rampage because they have been offended.
2: I was gonna say the other thing is also, you know how you mentioned like Allah and Muhammad are like above everything, your own family. And people do believe it. Yeah. yeah. Um and people are kind of feel feel like it is their duty to protect that against all odds even people who don't believe it and also anything that is considered to be blasphemous which could be like you saying hey i don't agree with this part of the quran or i don't understand it like even people questioning it is considered blasphemous let alone going to that extent of burning the quran and i feel like you know like you said sorry go on
0: Mm -hmm. but but i think also there's some aspect there that has to do with like a form of almost honor culture, in a sense, because a lot of like Muslims, they feel that their honor has been violated, and that they have to do something about it if someone offends their religion. You know, they feel that it's actually shameful if they wouldn't go out and defense uh, defend like God's Allah's religion uh, and, and against its enemies, so to speak. So there is this aspect as well, and there is this culture that that in a sense, there is a difference between like a lot of like um, the cultural Muslim societies uh, and the West, that there, there is this aspect of collectivism and kind of like honor culture and, and the, like for example, here in Sweden or in the West, it's considered uh, praiseworthy and honorable that you control yourself and your feelings if somebody offends you verbally, you know? It's actually considered shameful if you saw a lot, if you show a lot of anger uh, or attack a person who offended you verbally, while it's the other way around. For example, in the Middle East, in the Middle East, if someone verbally offends you, you have to answer back with force; otherwise, you lose face, uh, right. and that's also a big difference there.
2: Mm. I was just going to say, I feel like that's kind of like bringing in that term, toxic toxic masculinity, but technically, just toxic behavior.
0: Well, actually, I think I think there is a part of toxic masculinity even in this. I would say so. Uh,
2: you know, I wouldn't
1: I wouldn't call it toxic masculinity because I think that kind of like brings sheds such a light on the word masculinity. Uh, I think it's rather more macho culture, in the sense that even women can act very macho. A part of this macho of taking over, being violent, using force to shut people off. In in Yemen, I'm not sure. I think in Egypt uh, and Tanzania, it's the same thing, but it's about the mom's name. If someone knows your mom's name, like the biggest fights that happened in school for me was if somebody found out your mom's name and they say it, it would be bloodshed. It would be like Sweden after burning the Qur'an.
2: What does that mean?
1: mum's name. Oh, so like m- mother's names is very shameful because it's something that you have to protect. It's like your honor. It's a
0: so, part of your honor. Yeah. Oh, so if, if
1: someone, yeah. So if someone finds out like my mother's name and they go and tell anybody else, I have to kick their ass because they have, you know, uh, ruined my honor. Um, it's it's ridiculous, but it's also it's it it leads to this like extreme violence. Is it the same thing in Egypt, by the way?
0: Yeah, yeah. like for example, I remember that uh, people who used to call for us, for example, from the street or something, they wouldn't call my mom's name. Her name is Nahla. They would say instead Omar, and I was like a fucking child. So Mm. they were not, they didn't want to talk to me. (laughs) They won't talk to my mom, but they were calling her Omar because they're not supposed to like utter out publicly her name.
2: Uh, Wow. I, I never had that. I no. Women was... are
1: to be so protected to the point that even their names are not allowed to be out in the public. So it's not even just about face and appearance. It's even their very names are supposed to yeah. be kept a secret to the family, which is like a part of this honor culture. But, but
0: actually, there there's a point in, in that because, you know, sometimes the name of someone can cause like so much sexual arousal, if you know it. Really? Yeah, very much so. What? And like. Yeah, if you tell think me about
1: more, because I've never like, <laughs> heard someone's name, like, oh baby, like what?
0: No, okay. <laughs> the, the, my, my sarcasm and irony is not going through the screen, it seems. <laughs> <laughs> it's obviously ridiculous. But this is this is actually what is like what's the thought behind it? That it, this is something intimate about the woman that is not supposed to be revealed to, to foreign men. So for example. It's not. It's not shameful that other women would know the name of my mother. It's if other men know the name of my mother that they are able to call her name. Um, exactly. So it has it like would, some kind of like sick, ultra puritanical, uh, sexual connotations. Mm, that's,
1: an, that, Actually, that's not the case in Tanzania at all.
2: No, no. And I was trying to read up on it. Afghanistan has the same thing where it's believed that it's bad for a society if you call the women's names.
1: Mm.
2: No, it's it's not like that in Tanzania, fortunately. Um, no. Obviously, like, yeah, so we b- never heard that.
1: You're a bit late on washing machines, but a bit more progressive when it comes to women's names. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Pretty much. So. Um, I also feel like the version of religion we had in Tanzania was... Um, I would say at the time before the '80s and whatnot, um, before the Iranian Revolution specifically, for the Shia, um, the Shia communities um, were quite relaxed. Like there wasn't much of a hijab culture in school uniforms and whatnot. And it happened after the 1980s, so I feel like that has evolved and that has become a bit more strict nowadays, especially Mm -hmm. with technology and like people giving sermons and and having planes like fly scholars here at a cheaper price than what it used to be. So I feel like that has been you can clearly see that has been spread around because of the transfer of information. Hmm. But it used to be quite chill before. Um I I really was...
0: like I know nothing about Tanzania really.
2: <laughs> um it's an African country. <laughs> Uh, well, it's an African country. There were a lot of um, Arabs who migrated from Oman, Oman, Yemen to Zanzibar, and then there were a lot of traders who migrated, like in the late seven, maybe late seventeen hundreds, maybe eighteen hundred. Sorry, not that not that early. Um, from Afghanistan, Persia, India, um, through the British colonialism, um, and that's how I came to be. Um, I'm still learning a little more about my roots, which is. A bit all over the place, so it really surprises me that you know the discussions that I have with my family about Muslim majority countries, no, about about politics in general. The one thing that they're focused on, being like Tanzanian Muslims, is anything that's happening in the Muslim world or to Muslims in the Western world. Somehow it hits them as well, but they have nothing to do with it. Like like you know, for instance, Pakistan's president was kind of his term, not his term ended, but he was out like. His, his term was made to end and everything is like, oh, my God, this or if this happens in Palestine or, you know, they burnt the book in Sweden and whatnot, but they're mm. not part of it. Mm. So they don't consider I feel like they don't consider Tanzania as their country, even though they are right. Tanzanians. Mm. Um, and that's how I feel like that's why I grew up being very attached to seeing people from Iran as being so holy. And then the Iranians I meet in Sweden are like atheists as fuck. Yeah. So that was like a big surprise. Like even when I was like, even when I was like traveling to Australia and Malaysia, it was like a big surprise to me. So to see this happening, like the burning of the cars in Sweden, where you are Mm. in a progressive country Mm. where you have laws that protect you as well, despite you practicing your faith, to Mm. see people act like they were in some 14th century time is Mm. so shocking, but also it's not relatable to me in that way. Like the violence isn't relatable to me because I was never raised with that.
0: But that's interesting. How do you think, like, um, do you have like neighborhoods in Tanzania that are basically only Muslim? Um,
2: I think the closest it would get would be Somalia. Like the closest, not only Somalia and Sudan, but it starts going up north. But that's like not neighbor as such. It'd be like through Kenya um and then, but, and, but you
0: don't have like any kind of like like because here in sweden there are neighborhoods that basically are more or less just muslim people
2: oh you when you say have... neighborhood oh you mean like suburbs not yeah, countries yeah. oh yeah um no no, um, yes. no, no, no. Yeah, yeah yeah we do we do like it's very segregated so a lot of the indians including hindus and muslims live around the city area um and it starts expanding to a bit far but yeah you wouldn't get a lot of muslims uh from my community living really far out unless you you know were quite rich and you could afford like a big bungalow outside but a lot of, it, it is like the city center itself would be very much filled with muslims and um hindus or maybe brown people as such but um, but thought
0: experiment what do you think would happen if somebody would go there and try to tries to burn the quran um
2: i i think they would be killed I think they would be killed (laughs) by Muslim mobs um, because that does happen. Like, violence is there and the police wouldn't. Like, they would intervene. They would, I mean, Tanzania is a corrupt country, so you'll hear of many arbitrary arrests. But how do you mean, like,
0: it's not relatable to you, the scenes of, like, violence, because it doesn't happen, you mean?
2: Oh, as in, like as in a violent Muslim mob trying to be, and yes, because that doesn't happen because we try to live, we try to live in harmony where you don't talk about the differences. You just don't talk to the Sunnis. You don't talk to the, you know, the Sunnis don't talk to the Shias or Christians. You kind of stay very within. And I remember when we had an Iranian lecturer come into our school, which is a predominantly Shia based school, but they're mostly Sunnis there, but like, the founders or like the board members are Shias. So when they had the Iranian in, and you know, this woman was like, Yeah, but Shiism is the right Islam, and everybody was so upset because they were all, you know, Muslims there. um, yeah. and yeah. everybody, yeah, Sunni Muslims, yeah. So they were so upset, but even the Shias went like, Hey, that's not cool. Like, we don't want our right. friends to feel like that. In right. our heads, we know it, in our heads, we know it, but we don't want them to feel like that. Well, and that caused up when... a stir, mm. yeah. Yeah, sorry, continue. Oh no, that was it. Like that caused up a stir and that was like, you know, one of the few things that you would see because people never talk about it. So when you do talk about it, it's within your communities, within your mosques and you know, like people just like, oh, but it's their religion and like, you know, it's like, you know, let them think what they think and we just want to live in peace. We never want conflict.
0: Is there like an element of hypocrisy there? Because it's actually, this is reminding me a little bit of Egypt in a sense with like Muslims and Christians. There are no Shia there, but there are like a significant minority of Christians around between seven and 10%, something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And you kind of, for the most part, uh, pretend (laughs) that everything is like, that you're equals and so on when Christians are around. But not when they are not around. So if it's just Muslims, you're open with like, oh yeah, they're going to hell or whatever and like Oh yeah. Absolutely. Um... That maybe they are dirty or like things like that.
1: That thing also happens within the community. They're, they're like when, when it's just Sunnis, you're like, oh, the, the Shi'as are going to go to hell. When it's just the Shi'as, they said the Sunnis are going to yeah, go to yeah, hell. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so you were talking about something uh, extremely important and interesting uh, when you were talking about this, the feeling of community that Muslims have with each other. Mm. And it has a name, which is Al-Ummah.
2: umma yeah,
1: Yeah, and it's kind of like when someone attacks, not even a Muslim, when someone attacks the, uh, the text or um, the book or Prophet Muhammad or Allah, the entire Ummah feels attacked. And like we see now, like the Iraqi ambassador came out and said that Sweden has got to. And uh, put an end to these uh, Quran burnings uh, for the sake of the relations between Iraq and Sweden. First of all, like we don't care in Sweden about the uh, Iraqi-Swedish relations. Like you can go fuck yourself. Unless
0: they are ministers, we give them uh, citizenship.
1: Yeah, like the, 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 the minister <laughs> of defense was in in Sweden and he was living off welfare and having his own salary as well. So he was like committing like major fraud.
0: And it turns out that he's also like was having like secret homosexual affairs. Yep, on
1: Grinder. I found uh, him on Grinder. No, I'm joking. Uh,
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but
1: I think like that the feeling of community and ummah is a very fascinating and kind of like settling fact of why the Islamic community is so well organized. You could say, uh, like, so now whenever it went, when this guy was like, "I'm gonna burn the Quran," thousands of people came out in protest. That doesn't happen in, in in other communities and as well organized and as dominant. Um, it's baffling.
2: I think, like even with Christians, when it came to Pride Parade in London or even in Sydney, they would protest. They're like, "Hey, the gays are going to hell," but like, there's only like twenty people there. so it's like half. but then the thing was that actually you just reminded me of a really good contrast Uh, Council of Ex-Muslim Britain I think 2017 had their first pride parade and we had the board Allah is gay the Christians had the board like not the Christians but the ex-Christians had the board Jesus is gay do you know which board the police stopped at One board, it was the Allah's gay one. They're like, oh, you're provoking. And the Muslim community wanted to press charges. And they're like, you can't press charges because we're not committing a crime. But it was the level of hypocrisy where the Christians couldn't be fucked. Like, they were like, whatever. But Mm -hmm. we started getting death threats. I started getting death threats. Like, I wasn't there in 2017, but 2019. And it was just like one religion or like one Group of people that started protesting, as compared to the other, or like you know, they'll go like Jesus is queer, and we had like photos side by side, like Allah is gay, Jesus is uh, queer, and nobody said anything about Jesus. They we're like, oh, this is offensive, and then the and then it was only the Muslims who would go, well, not only, but it was mostly the Muslims who would go like, yeah, but you know, it's offensive to Christians as well because there's a Jesus sign, but we know what they were talking about. What was worse is that they were far right far not even far right sorry there were other left leftist leaning or leftist people who were like oh this is so islamophobic and i'm like is being muslim and gay islamophobic like is gay such a bad term that you find this islamophobic and not what the books or the hadith say about gay people or women or apostate or our right to leave um so that was that was like really interesting that you know was just like one specific group that would come out yeah um, it's,
0: it's I, I think again it's it's these two, two things that islam is just extremely tolerant of of blasphemy and the this aspect of honor culture i would say um that they feel so offended that they have to do something about it that does not exist in the west at all at least not since the enlightenment really um mm-hmm because the Enlightenment in the West has like really eroded this, this collectivism that existed before, uh, because the, the, the focus has become much more on the individual and individual freedom, and to a great extent also on critical thinking and, and, and discourse uh, and reason. All, the, all that needed a, um, free speech as a medium in a way that actually never really happened in Muslim countries, because in Islam... Doubt is in itself considered a sin, a sin, and in a sense, questioning the fundamentals of Islam or the mainstream teachings is considered by many as blasphemy in itself. Uh, and like, I don't know if you, uh, you probably you guys had the same thing, like when you do du'a, sometimes you ask God to like take away any doubt from you, from your heart. Um,
2: or increase your faith, your iman.
0: And yes. um, so, Islam and Muslim societies have always been intolerant to to free speech, because they have been intolerant to free thought.
1: Intol- intolerant to questioning. Into questioning, I think, is like at one of the, the the things that make ex Muslims, ex Muslims that make people leave their religion, because like two billion people are born into islam and then you have i don't know hundreds of thousands that leave their religion and the reason that the these thousands of people leave their religion is because they question they dare to question um i remember in in class like in in muslim schools whenever you ask very critical questions about the faith you're told that you're not supposed to ask you're told that you have to wait. You're told that in heaven you're going to be able to find these answers. You're even told that the very asking of those questions questions is a sin that you should, you know, get away from. Yeah. There's also there's also the ideology of the shaitan, the, the Satan. It's yeah. not you who is coming up with these questions. It's literally Satan in your head. We're taught that Satan lives within us, like in our. Know, uh, Meaning that you're not just a human being, you are a combination of a human and Satan. And any of these negative thoughts that might steer you away from Quran or Islam is Satan. So you have to, they teach us to be afraid of ourselves and afraid of our minds and our thinking. Mm,
0: I I remember as a child, (laughs) I used to ask my father, I remember, uh, what does Allah looks like? And he was like, No no no, don't think about that. And I was like, Yeah, but what does he does he look like us? For example, what does he look like? And he's like, No no no, no don't have these thoughts. <laughs> so it's like the thoughts in themselves they have to be like banished, you know.
1: Well at least he didn't ask if Allah masturbates. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, I knew better than that.
2: <laughs> I was told it looked like a light, but because you can't even see the sun, you're never going to be able to see a light because it's brighter than the sun. So don't even think about it. Like, see, that he's makes there. more sense. <laughs> but I guess going back to what's currently happening in Sweden, so it's been day five now, day five. So I guess I was I was a bit surprised now there i had multiple thoughts at once because i was like i had a bit i had a few not not mixed i had a few mixed feelings at first and i'm like this demonstration was organized so clearly it wasn't illegal and then oh. two not only they not weren't illegal pre- yet
0: there are yet. voices that, ah, are that are trying that- to make it illegal now
2: yeah, um, not knowing Rasmus's history on like being anti-Islam, um, and I don't not really caring about this at the moment. But like just thinking of like protesting is a right of free expression, which is fine. Protest peacefully, but then the fact that there were riots, there were stone throwings, there were cars that were being burned, and what was even awful was that the reactions on social media um from any media postings were just taken to serve different purposes for whoever was speaking so you'll have the far rights going like if you pet a snake what do you think what will happen why did we let muslims in you know painting all muslims as one picture and then the other reaction was that but why did he provoke like he shouldn't provoke like don't use your freedom to i was told don't use your freedom to advance your career and i'm like what career like (laughs) oh This is my the fact that you've already recognized it's my freedom. You've already kind of um, you're already trying to deny me of that. However, if I did the same and said you can't practice Islam here because you know that is your freedom to do it, I don't think that would be received very well to those people that were trying to defend it. And I think that even the the feeling of people being impartial is also kind of troubling to this because they don't recognize. One is a freedom of expression. The other one is pure violence that is illegal. You're welcome to protest peacefully. You're welcome to disagree. You're welcome to ignore. You're welcome to do your own burnings or not, or print more books. Do that. Um, But the fact that people were either neutral or really far-right bigots, there were very few who could kind of bring that nuance into this. I was wondering what your thoughts were, given you've been here longer. And I think just... Trying to understand like the normal, like not the normal, but like the landscape nowadays where, you know, the fact that the Iraqi was it president or prime minister or official that had to come out and say this exactly, defense minister, they had to come out and say, you need to stop this in Sweden. I'm sorry. Why the fuck do you care about what happens in Sweden? Are you paying our taxes? Are you paying anything for us? Like, when you try talking about the basic human rights in other countries, you're never heard or people don't talk about it. And that's exactly the post that I made that, like, this happens in Muslim-majority countries every day when people are executed, persecuted for various reasons, not even, like, Quran burning. Like, that's another level. And you still don't talk about it and have your silence. I wanted to know what your thoughts were.
0: Well, I think... It's a bit complicated because Sweden has been very naive in thinking that we can have that level of migration from Muslim majority countries and that kind of like multiculturalism without it backfiring in a sense. Uh, it's it's not it's not strange at all. Like I think actually people who are surprised, um, they are a bit naive. Like, for example, think about it this way. If tomorrow I imported to Sweden, like, I don't know, uh, 10 million Egyptians, let's say, (laughs) do you think, how long do you think it will take for homosexuality to be banned? It will be banned after a while because if, if they would be the majority, they will try to push for laws that are in accordance to their culture and their religion. And the same thing with like now you have established like neighborhoods where they are very isolated, and there the religion of these neighborhoods and the culture is Islamic culture. Uh, these these people do not really live in Sweden. You can go to these areas and you can basically get by you can live there without having to speak Swedish or meeting a Swedish person at all so basically you are now entering what is de facto um, a different country Um, hmm.
2: this is true I remember being in the US and going to Dearborn and all the boards were in Arabic and I'm like I don't understand what this is like it was supermarket stuff and they were all in Arabic and like we have Chinatown in Australia and that's never in Chinese. i will have some Chinese subscripts, but like it's mostly in English.
1: To me, it's all very frightening, actually. I'm I'm very worried and it makes me think, hmm, do I want to have a future in Sweden? Do I want to have children in Sweden? When I as myself I'm an extreme liberal, you know? And I cannot I would not want to live in a country that is so so segregated that I would have to live double lives which is pretty much what happens in Sweden. And I'm for me like I do feel like the Swe the Swedish government has to step up its game. It actually has to create a game to begin with because there's no game to step up when you see hundreds of of Islamists throwing their stones and trying to murder police just For freedom of speech, it's 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 an upper. It's 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 them saying that we this country belongs to us. Your law should be our law, and I think that the Swedish government should completely reevaluate the way that they have. Like Denmark, are creating new laws. What they're doing is they're spreading out immigrants all around the country. They're not in Rinkaby, for example, here in Sweden, in the Stockholm suburbs around like 95%, more than 95%, maybe 100% or something, like closer to 100% than 95% who are immigrants. And what should happen, what Denmark is going to be doing now is they're going to be spreading immigrants around so that there should not be more than 20%, I think, immigrants. Sweden in- doesn't
0: have the balls to do that.
1: Sweden should grow some balls in, in so many different aspects. They should grow their balls. When there are hundreds of people that are throwing the rocks and trying to kill your police, then what you should be doing is you should be firing back, not killing them, but you should be, like, using some kind of paintball guns or, like, stopping these people, not just letting them, you know, run you over, which is what the Swedish police is doing. And they're allowing it to happen. Now our migration and my, our migration minister, Morgan Johansson, came out and said, we um. Uh, we don't have enough resources, and we don't have enough police to handle this. Which just still comes to show, what what, yeah. No. Which uh, just comes no, to he, sh- didn't
0: he just like come out now saying that there is enough resources? I, I saw that some police are actually criticizing him. He said that there are enough resources, but they, they just did not use them well, basically
2: because they've been instructed not to use brutality. Um, I think
0: but... not not just that. I think also the. There seems to be a lot of things that have been like mistakes that have been done by the police, the the police leadership as well. They seem to have underestimated uh, what reaction would be caused by this. Uh, oh,
2: absolutely! So,
0: yeah, absolutely. So the, the fact, it seems that there were not enough enough people, like policemen, at uh, in place uh, quite often. But also, there isn't this culture, like, s- Swedish culture is a, is a very agreeable culture, you know? They, they're not assertive enough to think that they, okay, now there's, like, teenager trying to, like, kill me with some stones, then I can use lethal force against them. They will not think about that, actually. Um, and,
2: or even arrest them. Did they make as many arrests given the amount of people that were throwing rocks?
0: Well the thing is actually if you if you look at you probably saw some videos and stuff they were pretty overwhelmed like um they they, they had to like pull back because they didn't have the the numbers and they were not the prepared to use force yeah. mm-hmm. uh, they were not prepared to use force in that way either uh, or or maybe there's also a factor of inexperience because this actually this level of writing is not very common in Sweden
1: and I do think like I actually this is uh, I agree completely and wholeheartedly with um, the Swedish Democrats when they say that they ha- we have to send in the army, the military force, if you don't have enough police to be able to contain it. I mean, 16 police officers were sent to the hospital on the first day of these riots. If your police cannot protect your civilians, if your police cannot protect your state, then you pretty much have a failed state, right? So what should happen is the military should get in and protect um, the police. Uh, These people have to know their place. They have to know that you cannot... Um, you cannot islamicize sweden Uh, and it really upsets me how swedes take this very lightly
2: i mean even just pulling islam out of the context you clearly see a civilian a violent civilian no matter who it is it could be somebody who is a white supremacist does not matter like at this point these are people that are causing unrest violence in the country they're Um, attacking the police who are there to protect other people not just them there are obviously other cases going on but they have to be there to protect other people Mm. And and now the police are being victims here and that is so unusual that is so crazy like how do normal citizens feel safe in Sweden when the police can't do their job because they haven't been precautious about it or they haven't used i'm not even saying extreme force i'm saying equal force to stop it
1: if they would use equal force then you would have the worst night like in in swedish media people would be calling it the you know nazism people would be calling it hitlerism if, if the police actually use the same amount of force that these people are using
0: but, okay, but but there are, like, many aspects to this as well. Like, I don't think the army really is trained to cope with these kind of situations either because this is not really, this is not really, like, uh, military battles. Or, uh, yeah. No, no. I think, I think actually, what Sweden needs to do, they really need to expand, especially the riot police. This is, we, we really need a much bigger riot police force than what we have. Another thing that I think... There have been people who are saying like uh, the police should have denied the, the, the permit to Rasmus because of, because of security reasons. So not because of like uh, hate speech or whatever, but just because of security reasons. And this is bullshit because if you open the door for that, if you say we will not protect free speech if it's offensive because maybe some people will be provoked and they will cause trouble... You will keep denying like permits to every kind of demonstration or or anything of the sort instead of trying to like increase your resources to be able to guarantee free speech. Uh, and, and the thing is, but
1: what if you can't do it, Mustafa? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mustafa. What if you? <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry,
0: sorry, sorry. Okay, what if you I can't tell it. do it? Because I tell
1: we, like, we have like Sweden. The the the, mm. the the Swedish police has been the exact same since the past twenty years. We have not grown, even right. though the population, the Swedish population, has grown by two million, and the Swedish criminality has has grown by tenfolds
0: you have to like expand it urgently the same way as you're trying to expand your your basically your army right now to face like the russian threat for example you have to like urgently do that you have to both like expand the police force in itself and expand the resources and basically what they, they are able to use like you have to maybe get water cannons you'd have
1: to raise taxes (laughs)
0: <laughs> no i don't think i don't think so you would just of have course, to like I, if you, if you, you just have to wisely yeah you would just have to like stop like uh, wasting money on like fucking like uh commune uh, and, and like fucking like unicorn statues and and uh, stop send spending money on the culture basically direct all that money to things that actually matter What you're saying
1: is fuck the culture. Focus on the security.
0: Yes, of course. You have to provide like basic services first, and like ensure the security of the country. One more thing is that until you reach that, you can maybe use the permits in a tactical way. One one of the things that that happened is that the police were because they gave permits in so many cities at this like almost at the same time. So the police was running from one area to the other to another city. Only to like basically be able to to have enough police there. You could have spread it out a little bit more. You should have like okay here because I will have to use the uh, the police force in the whole of Sweden. You cannot have like several permits in the same day or like one day after the other. You are welcome to demonstrate, but like maybe you have to like leave me one day in between so that I'm able to collect enough force in the uh, in place in order to uh, secure the demonstration. Things like that. It seems like there was. Total, total lack of coordination between like the different cities and municipalities, and the, poli- uh, 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 the police forces, it seems like uh, the leadership seems to be a mess. And, uh, and the, the problem is that I don't think anybody would be held responsible because, again, Sweden does not have that culture either. Somebody's supposed to, like, yeah, somebody's supposed to leave their post, whether the police chief, whether the interior minister.
2: I just want to say it's so ironic how even teenagers and, you know, adults, um, civilian had more coordination than authorities in Sweden at this time. But also you hit one thing on the bang on the head was, you know, once we deny this permit of free speech, what will be next? Like, what are the other laws that are going to come in? And then how far does this expand? Will it be you Know people not being able to talk about Islam at all, yeah, like this podcast. Yeah. This is
0: what I'm afraid is it
2: going of. to go? Is it going to go like, oh, okay, we're just gonna have two laws, right? One for Muslims and one for others. Um, is it going to become like a pluralist society where you have two laws for different people? Because in the UK, you, you have Sharia courts.
0: It's, it's funny you're mentioning that there is this, this guy, like self styled anti-racist and uh, journalist supposedly uh, who who writes for uh, one of Sweden's biggest newspapers who started a petition to treat uh, burning the Quran as a hate crime. So not the burning of all religious books, just the Quran. (laughs) It's like you can't burn the Bible, but the Quran, no. So yeah, it's different rules for different groups that uh, some people are trying to push for.
2: How many signatures did that petition get?
1: 30,000.
2: I feel like the petitions are really not going to go anywhere. I think if we're going to change the landscape, it has to start by establishing what our base rules of human rights are. And once we do that, it has to apply to every religion, every person, and every other um, pets that they have. That,
1: that, That does not work with Islam, unfortunately, because Islam does not fit into other cultures, but rather makes other cultures fit into it. Uh, and Which that's is- always been the case.
2: And and I guess in, in terms of like the general public, right? So the, when the people get to vote on these things, right? What are our best chances to bring enlightenment to them on this topic? Like burning the Quran on being free speech rather than a hate crime?
1: I mean, you know, you said something interesting a bit earlier where you said that the far right was saying, you know, if you pet a snake, this is bound to happen, right? To be honest with you, I, the left was also saying the same thing but being nice about it. You're, you know, the whole, like, it's it's Paolo Dan's fault. It's Paul Dan's fault because he was so stupid that he went and he burnt the Quran. And he, you know, it, they're kind of, like, indirectly saying that, you know, Muslims are snakes. And I think that's where we are right now in the Swedish culture, where the conversation about Islamic sensitivity and where do the boundaries go is so fucked that when you have hundreds of uh, Islamists going out and really just wrecking havoc in the country, the next day or during when it happens, there is like this insane state of confusion on both the left and the right. Where on the right, you know, like this whole like, um, like far rightists say that, you know, you have to like expel all of them, right? Like remove them out of the country. Most of these people are born in Sweden. Most of these people know nothing besides Sweden. Like they visit their home countries. They're from here. So they're pretty much Swedish in in, in the Swedish sense. Yeah, but
0: just to correct a little bit. Uh, I agree with you, but with the, there is some nuance they don't know Sweden. they know their they know the suburbs
2: right uh, We exactly. have like a
0: total we, Sweden has created right now a new ethnic group yep uh, that does not fit in majority society but does not fit in the country of the, the like uh, their parents either. Uh, and then now they are stuck in there. Um, with a different col- like culture, different mentality, different values, and with high levels of, of unemployment and criminality. So this is like the, all the worst components <laughs> 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 basically shoved into a, a, a restricted geographical area. Um, <laughs>
1: it's so sad and you know like to create an ethnic group or to create a culture with an ethnic group you need like hundreds and thousands of years of proper cultivation right of like a demographic area slow composition of you know uh, building creating agriculture etc what's happening in sweden it is like the literal definition of a social experiment and it's not working out so well
0: well it has failed already um it's just the the question is what to do in the in the future
1: exactly and that's the question that i wanted to 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 come to right now which Mm -hmm. is what is supposed to be done because i do believe like when i see someone throwing a stone at a a swedish police just because someone burnt the quran for me you will never you will never be able to integrate that person in sweden that's like mission impossible it would be so much easier to just take that person and you know and relocate them to like Iraq or whatever they're from and have them reestablish their Muslim lives there. That will be the easiest thing for Sweden to do, right? It'll be hard for them. But the question there is that that would be breaking Swedish law, because according to Swedish law, if you have the Swedish citizenship, there's no way that you can get expelled. Now, Denmark is running around that. In Denmark, they're saying, fuck that shit. We don't agree. If you have the citizenship, you you fuck up so much that you do whatever that these people are doing. We're going to expel you. What do you guys think
0: of that? Well, I, I think, I think um, there's also a difference between having double citizenship or or having just Swedish citizenship. So it's actually, it's not possible to revoke uh, Swedish citizenship if you just have one citizenship. But if you have double citizenship, and I'm all for, especially when it comes to terror crimes, I know that the UK does that already, that they revoked uh, like British uh, citizenship from, from people who commit terror crimes. Right, Sara?
2: Yeah, Shamima I Begum. Yeah, yes. she was left stateless.
0: Ah, um, uh, 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 she was stateless. That's even okay, that's even more, was, yeah, more she, savage.
2: <laughs> no, 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 no. She had a British citizenship of was of a Bangladeshi descent, but she was left stateless after.
0: Uh, right, UK's don't decision. I remember? Because they said that she could obtain Bangladeshi citizenship or something, right? I think yes. that was the justification. But anyways, like here in Sweden, it's not even possible if you do have double citizenship and you were a convicted terrorist to take away the Swedish citizenship from you. It's that level of, like, (laughs) (laughs) self-hate. (laughs)
2: Self-hate is indeed the right word.
0: (laughs) Yes, it's weird. Uh, So I think all these people who have double citizenship should lose their their Swedish citizenship, basically. People who who commit, um, like, uh, heavy violent crimes they should lose their Swedish citizenship, definitely. Uh, so that's one thing. Another thing, I think that Sweden has to basically come to a point where they admit that the Swedish way of being agreeable and seeking consensus and so on is not working with these people. Uh, they have to become more assertive, and they basically have to like really, really strike back hard against anyone who violently breaks the law. Anyone who tries to murder a police officer, like you've seen the videos, they were like throwing stones at them the size of like fucking. They were trying to murder bigger than their heads. Um, I was
2: like, this is not Afghanistan. Like, dude, this happens in Afghanistan. This is not Afghanistan. Where are you from? I was so surprised.
0: This not demonstrating. This is attempted murder. Uh, it so is uh, So anybody who's who does that, he, they have to be like basically, uh, it, they have to be totally incapacitated and and to be thrown in prison. And and if they have a double citizenship, they should lose the Swedish citizenship. But but at the same time, I think since you can start using a little bit the collectivist culture that exists in the suburbs to try to get past that, because. You have to have dialogue also with the parents. Tell them, you know what? Uh, there is this demonstration. A guy is coming to to like uh, burn the Quran in your neighborhood, and we understand that will cause outrage. But I just want to inform you: if your son goes out and throw and tries to kill us, he will be shot. Just so you know, because they don't expect that from Swedish police at all. They don't expect that kind of like um, uh, firm, forceful resolution. But if you communicate that. And very clearly, there will be a lot of parents who will say to their to their kids, uh, no, you know what, you can't go out, you will be shot. It's the same thing, actually, that happens in the Middle East, for example. Um, there, people know that if they will mess with the police, the police will shoot them. So it has to, like, they don't do that casually, basically. They will not do it like, if, if a guy... Um, I don't know, actually, but the, the thing is the police would actually have shot them all so, in Egypt. So, I don't That's know. <laughs> There's
2: like
1: The revolution in, in Yemen, like in the revolution, what the people like, the people were out just protesting the regime and saying that, you know, we, you know, we, we want like, a, what the hell? Music started playing in my ears. No, but they were uh, pretty much saying, um, you know, we want a, um, a democratic change of the regime. You've been literally sitting as the president for 33 years now. So maybe it's time to have like an election. And what they did is the the, the security forces went out and started shooting people, killing, killing 50, 100 people every day. And so so th- that's like the, the kind of culture that we come from where, where blood and violence is so is casual. It's like the thing is, uh, there, there was this interesting quote that I read uh, a while ago where Swedes have uh, Swedes have become so um, progressive and so peaceful to the point that they forget that they bleed, like they forget that there's blood in them and that blood can like seep out of their body. And that's how far they've come in terms of like peaceful, peaceful mindset, peaceful mindset. They've been fed this concept of everybody's the same. Migrants are the same. There's no difference between migrants and, and Swedish people. And suddenly 30 years later, after this kind of like hoarding people with the idea that everybody's equal and if you have any criticism to say about migration and the migration policies you're literally a nazi. So this has been happening for 30 years and now people are are going, "Way, way." So the far right were always right. The far right has been warning us about Sweden going into shit if we don't stop migration. The far right has been telling us that there will be civil wars. The far right the, has been at telling least the us
0: right, that- at least the right. I, I wouldn't like there were a lot of people on the right, not necessarily far right, who were basically saying that. I would, call, was, I would not call. I would not call SD far like, right for. Yeah. Today, today. but like yeah. ten years ago. <laughs> yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe you're <laughs> that's, right.
1: That's my point. Like ten years right. ago, ten years ago, the people who were talking about everything that everybody now is talking about were far right extremists and that's yeah. my my point right now and that is making people go like wait the far right has always been right <laughs> which is kind of scary you know
2: <laughs> i think i think the biggest point here with all of this is you know your rights sorry um free speech ends when your rights are um taken away from you or like where your human rights are taken away from you Burning the Quran has nothing to do with human rights it is still an idea and i think a lot of people especially muslims or people who are put in that position of offense do not realize that there is a difference between ideas and human rights so when you know the swedish migration authority say that you know swedes are no different or s- migrants are no different to swedes yes you They all deserve equal rights, a a right to stay safe, education, housing, whatnot. Um, But it is so important um, that we are able to call out bad ideas. We're able to, you know, talk about them. And I think the French Prime Minister, Emmanuel Macron, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but when Samuel Paty happened, yeah, Macron, when Samuel Paty happened, He had to establish and distinguish what Islamism was and what Muslims were. And he has to establish that our country believes in human rights, which includes freedom of speech and which includes equal rights for the girls, even if they're born in Muslim families. And I feel like Sweden doesn't do that. Sweden doesn't want to do that. They don't want to talk about that. They don't want to counter the problem, even if it means talking about it, it's not like they're not trying to be provocative, but to set that these are human rights, and what the protesters have done is completely violate them by hurting somebody else.
0: Okay, but 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 there's there's this kind of um, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. The the, the problem is one uh, a part of the Swedish culture is basically um, being afraid of conflict, <laughs> so yeah. they don't like <laughs> that. So I actually I think that a lot of people in Sweden, maybe even the majority, have realized now that, okay, there are cultural differences and there are there is a cultural clash, but they don't really know how to handle it because that culture is way more aggressive and way more assertive than, than theirs. This is one thing. Another thing, I think, um, con- considering also things that have to be done, I think Sweden and Europe in general should abolish uh, freedom of religion as a separate category. We have freedom of thought and we have freedom of speech. Because, for example, I I will quote now what is on the um, uh, Swedish police uh, website uh, with regard to hate crime. Hate crime is a collective name for various crimes committed as a result of the offender's negative attitude towards, for example... Sexual orientation, comma skin color, or religion. So this is very like problematic wording, and really opens the door for a lot of people pointing at at you know at, at what, uh, how hate crime is classified. And they say here it says your negative attitude towards religion, and you seem to have negative attitude towards Islam. Well, fuck yeah, I do. And then they'll be like, okay, then this is hate crime. This but has to be thing changed.
2: You, that's <laughs> the thing when you start changing the definitions of things that have historically existed just to mm-hmm. accommodate to different uh, minorities,
1: mm-hmm.
2: right? Yeah. And you don't recognize the violation of human rights. Like religion, and so most majority Abrahamic religion, by its book, in most ways have been literally responsible for deaths of many minorities. For existing, literally existing as a woman, as uh, Luai being a gay person. Um, and as an apostate, or like leaving, or talking about it, or having doubts. And that when we start putting religion in a minority or a sacred group, we give leeway to these ideas. And I know we have future podcasts coming, and that's what we were talking about like blasphemy as well. And like when we leave room for this, we start bringing in different ideas. And I'm like, oh, okay, it's part of Muslim culture that young girls at the age of three or five should wear the hijab, even though it's much later. But a lot of parents have done that. And you, by definition, I think it's child abuse because you've stripped away that little girl of, you know, of playing freely, of her childhood. And it just opens up a can of worms, which is not the Swedish culture, technically. Like, it is not what we've been used to. So I feel like Swedish culture is a bit contradicting itself when they're like, we're so afraid of conflicts and we're so welcoming, which is fine. Yeah, be welcoming, but don't be welcoming to bad ideas, don't be welcoming to bad culture. Call them out, talk them out. And you lived in we want to think that we live in a civilized society that we can talk to people about why are you so provoked. And I still have Muslims who are not like, you know, friends or Muslims or kind of ex Muslims who are not open to blasphemy. But the baseline, and yet they don't have to commit blasphemy, they don't even have to support it. But the baseline is that my offended feelings or anybody else's offended feelings do shouldn't ever equate to violence.
0: Okay, but but now I I will I will um be the devil's advocate a little bit here, Sarah, uh, I would say, okay, now I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Muslim or conservative Muslim. Why do I, why do I have to submit to your way of seeing what's right and wrong and to your morality? I have my morality as well. Why is yours superior to mine? I think mine is superior.
1: And let me add as well, like in, in the context of Sweden, you're, it's also multiculturalism, multi, multiculture, so you have to accept his culture. Continue.
2: Oh, okay, so, great. Why well, do you have to accept my yeah. idea or my moral code? Because one, I'm not trying to kill you. I'm saying practice what you want to <laughs> in your own homes. Okay, I'm not trying to persecute you. I'm not trying to kill you. And I right. expect you to do the same. So if you're saying something and I'm saying something and I can find it equally offensive, I'll walk away from you, mate. Like I'm not going to like start bashing you.
0: Okay, so so this is how they would reply. They would be like, you know, I will not offend your religion and you don't offend mine. These, well, I these don't are have basically... a
2: religion. I don't have a religion. And I'm like, you're welcome to offend my religion, whatever that may be, or any of my ideology. I do not get offended when people talk about atheism or the ex-Muslim ideology, no matter what that may be. But I do not get offended over it. My offense and it may even start, is when you start revoking human rights. And I'm a hard person to offend. But my offense starts when you start revoking human rights. Even more so, say what you want to. Don't fucking start killing people. Don't start acting on it. I think Lua and I had this chat once where we were talking about what about the Western culture is um, progressive? Or like, you know, what is that one thing about the Western culture that's progressive? And I responded with... Um, the need to not—I don't think it was Loi. Some other person was brown as well and had a beard. Not Loi, sorry. Um, but I said the need to not use aggression as a means of expression, and it could be anything. I feel like on most in most Western societies, like you mentioned before, that we have this tendency of like even if we offend it, we're not going to start fighting over it and we're saying it on a normal it's considered to be ethical to not use aggression whereas other other cultures that have you heard of antifa oh no yeah exactly exactly no um but yeah that was like the top of my mind like the one thing that like i learned in my years as growing up now i came from africa and i have a missing heritage and you know it's not as bad as yemen in egypt but it was that you know even with parents and kids you know you start using aggression to punish them or teach them ethics and moral versus a common understanding which apparently happens to work in other societies pretty well,
0: well but but Sarah uh, I agree of course with everything you say but the the problem is like I've become like more and more pragmatic like the the past few years uh, in practicality you basically have people who wholeheartedly disagree with the values of liberal democracy okay you have Absolutely. only two paths one to convince them of the values of liberal democracy or to have the means to make them submit to it and you're failing on both fronts this this is the problem <laughs> you don't yeah. have the means to like because here like uh, okay i heard well i'm back to playing the devil's advocate i heard what you're saying zara uh, I don't agree. You know, let's ag- uh, let's agree to disagree. You don't offend my religion here. What what are you going to do about it?
2: Well, you know what, I think the best way I'm going to do it is walk away from this. But at least I had the at least I had the courage to talk to you about it. And if we have- he's more in mean- your
1: country now, so it's too late. You're like I'm gonna walk away. From- he's he's right here. <laughs> so. Okay,
0: here. I think you <laughs> misunderstood. I think you misunderstood okay. uh, what dialogue was happening here. You okay. are Sweden. And okay. I am the Muslim community.
2: Yeah, I'm telling okay. you,
0: you cannot blaspheme.
2: Well, And if you blaspheme, our... I will
0: try to kill you. This, this is what well, I'm these saying. Are,
2: these are our laws. This is the citizenship you have. And if you break the law, which says that you're not allowed to hurt another person, there is a prison cell waiting for you.
0: Okay, I, and I think that's that how laws is, work. This is where it falls, because basically they are, Sweden is not able to enforce... Swedish law on these people so they're in, in practice there is no deterrence really so basically um, here again um, you are saying w- w- to me what what you're saying is just like I, again I'm, I'm the Muslim community to me what you're saying is only words and I know that you can't translate them to action you know so I'll be like well fuck you so what
2: well this is exactly where Sweden needs to pull up their socks don't they Exactly. Well, this is where exactly no I, and I completely agree with you like I do agree that Sweden has been quite laxed about this and it's only now whether far right or far left are slowly beginning to see this mm. right they, they don't even have to agree with the Quran burning in the le, on the left or the far left or whatnot even if it's a cognitive dissonance with you know human rights and liberal democracy. Um, but the fact that they're starting to see this I think should already make enough room for conversations to start.
0: A little and bit, but not not totally, because you have, like, right now, because, again, of this agreeableness and this, this like, kind of, like, almost masochistic uh, anti-racism and Islamists that exists in Sweden, you have now very strong voices in society who are calling for criminalizing blasphemy, basically, uh, and others who don't want to go that far, but they say... Well, you know what, basically it produces too much heat. Let's not allow it, not necessarily because of blasphemy, but because of like that we want to keep public order. People are not willing to stand up for for freedom of, a lot of people are not willing to stand up for freedom of speech, this this is the thing.
1: Right, okay, right. can I just add something? So SVT, the, the national Swedish television, they made this really pretty report after the riots where they brought Muslims and they asked them questions like, what do you think about this? and they were saying all of them were saying no this is insane like this is violence we do not believe in that violence that kind of violence we don't agree with it etc they also brought other like uh, muslims and immigrants who are cleaning up after the riots to show that you know not all muslims and not all immigrants you know are rioting you know there are a lot of people who don't agree with them but funnily (laughs) in the report itself there was this part where the guy went to the police officer and he gave him like Flowers or whatever, and then he told him, "We we support you. We believe that what you're doing is great, um, and we we're against the violence that's happening against you." And then he said, "We're against what they're doing, but we're against we're against your um you getting attacked." What so what the Muslims were pretty much saying were we're not for violence. We don't want violence, but burning the Quran should be banned, <laughs> pretty much. So like. So it's like, even the ones who don't believe in the violence, or the ones that do not believe that you should attack the police or the state, they still believe that we should have blasphemy laws in Sweden.
0: Yes. Well, the thing is, uh, here, there are a lot of people who have been interviewed in the suburbs, and basically... the most of whom are are peaceful, and they were saying basically, well, I disagree with the violence, but I understand it because it was wrong of the state and the police to allow the Qur'an burning. And again, this is another uh, cultural clash, the view of uh, citizens' rights and the relationship to the state. Here in the West, there is basically um, a cultural view of negative rights so basically when it comes to freedom of speech it's the right that you have not a right that the state gives you it's the right that you have the state can take it away from you you know but then there's like in, in non-western cultures you have a positive rights view that basically it's the state that gives you everything so for them they don't understand that the state did not let them burn the quran the state did not prevent them from burning the quran Actually, I think he never succeeded <laughs> in none of the events, but or maybe in drink QB.
1: Well, he or... actually succeeded because his, his point was to rile them up. No, the but I mean he they
0: succeeded in, in burning a Quran. Well, I mean,
1: that wasn't, what, that wasn't his aim. <laughs> his, his aim was creating riots, and he succeeded. Oh. If anything, what, what happened, the fact that he did not burn the Qur'ans and still managed to create that chaos, even gives, gives more legitimacy to what he, he was trying to do. It's like you don't even have to burn the Quran in order to create an Islamic revolution. You just have to say that you're going to burn the Quran, which is even worse.
2: Yeah, I was just going to say, I think for me, it is really important that we talk about these things and normalize it. And by that, I mean normalize the speech and the continuous effort that we make like through this podcast, but also on social media to talk about these things. And I think a lot of people who have never understood the side of what it's like being a Muslim and then being an ex-Muslim and having a nuanced balance and idea is already contributing to furthering conversations. Um, So I really, I really think that that would be my approach, obviously, but also helping people understand that, you know, that yes, Sweden is under attack because we have been, and I consider myself a Swedish resident now, which I am, um, but because we've been very submissive to extremist ideas from all forms, and that in the end, our silence only contributes to further um, violence. <laughs> I know I don't like the silence is violence, but it does contribute to like a potential of violence. But in the end, I also feel like other Muslims who had no part in all of this will also be attacked by racial abuse because there's so much resentment built up from people. And it's not unheard of that events like this have a downfall on other people who had nothing to do with it or had never agreed with such um, outrage, I guess. Those are kind of my and I'm big on like talking about stuff and educating, but also pushing boundaries of people's um, limitations.
0: Yeah, well, I think basically what Sweden should do right now is it should happen on on two fronts. One, Sweden needs to be clear to co- in communicating that. You know, we don't want a pluralistic or multicultural society. We want to have a liberal democracy with a uniform set of values. This, like, freedom of speech for everyone, um, freedom of thought, uh, equal rights, and all that. You know, this whole multicultural project that we were talking about, it has failed, and basically we scrapped it. It's no longer on the table. Uh, So you guys have to play by by our rules. You will have to assimilate, basically. And Sweden should be able... That is the message that should be out there, and uh, there should be then legal and and security and executive guarantees to guarantee that Sweden can deliver on this will to, to protect these values, um, including to expand the police force and its capacity.